All right, kids, uh, back on the show. Good PTs know it's important to stay on up to date on what's happening in your profession with best practices developed for more than 2.5 million care episodes. The team at ATI Physical Therapy is doing their part to make sure their clinicians are practicing at the top of their license. Pair with their continuing education, professional development, opportunities, and vibrant clinic culture, ATI is working hard to ensure all clinicians are not only driving the PT industry forward, but also going home happy. Check them out online at atipt.com. MW Therapy, our friends from MW Therapy, delivering a modern all-in-one outpatient EMR with the built-in patient portal, marketing automations, and billing features you want at a great value. Check them out at mwtherapy.com, where switching your EMR is easy. And here's a question for you. Would adding an additional $290 per patient per quarter help your business? Well, what if it also helped your patients? Yeah, that's, that's always good. Uh, remote therapeutic monitoring can do that. But you might think it's complicated or time-consuming. But what if I told you it wasn't? It didn't have to be. You can improve patient outcomes, reduce provider frustration, and improve clinic revenue. Find out how to get started. They make it nice and easy with remote therapeutic monitoring. Go to physiotech.ca. That's physiotec.ca. Josh Funk is on the show. I think we went back and forth and talked with Josh Funk about being a guest in the podcast for months, and we finally were able to connect. Josh is the founder and CEO of Rehab to Perform. Uh, it's a really innovative clinic model, uh, healthcare company that offers fitness focused approach to physical therapy. From what I hear, not from Josh, not from people that work at rehab to perform, uh, they love the environment. And where do I hear this from? I hear it from students who are often very candid and open and honest about experience. So I hear it from students or former students who've done the rotations at rehab to perform. So it's kind of cool. So uh, we dive into a variety of topics, but Josh is an interesting guy, uh, has some really, really cool views on the profession and where it's going, or I should say where it's growing because rehab to perform has some really, really interesting growth that I want to get into. So if you're thinking about owning a clinic or you, uh, you own a clinic now, Josh is sort of somebody who looks a certain way, but he, wa- he, he talks the talk, but he also walks the walk. So take a listen. Josh Funk from Rehab to Perform here on PT Podcast. And there we go. Josh Funk on the show. I'm glad we got to talk finally, like officially on the program. So welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks very much. Uh, I know we've been talking about this for a while. There's a lot of uh, big things that you've had going on that I've had going on. I'm excited to catch up a little bit. Finally sit down. I mean, you know, obviously uh, launch the show, Art Imitates Life, launched this podcast because I had sort of had the idea for it at a happy hour at a PT conference, right? So I was like, oh, I'll, you know, pint, whatever. But it really does. It sort of sets the tone like, we're going to sit down and we're, we're just going to do this. We're going to share, you know, a drink and we're just going to do this, which is something I think we lose a lot in today's, I can be on my phone and I'm tweeting while I'm doing this. And I feel like sitting down to have a drink, alcoholic or not, it's like two humans are going to sit across from each other and we're going to like just listen and and respond and be. And I don't, I don't know if we do that enough anymore. No, that was something uh, I actually got more into during, you know, 2020, 2021. Uh, you know, you had a lot more time in your hands. So I was making more time for moments like this. Honestly, sometimes even just catching up with people. No, yeah. no, no recording, but just being more intentional about, um, you know, making sure that I was connecting with the people that I considered loved ones or 
people that honestly sometimes it just crept into my headspace where I'm like, why why am I putting off like reaching out to this person? I need yeah. to, when somebody creeps into your headspace, like do it. It's time to reach out. Exactly. There, you know, aim be, because I can talk to ten thousand people with this smartphone device. That's one thing, but I want to make one right now. I want to make one connection with one person. Do right. that, whether it's a phone call, a text, or 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 what. Aim small. Do a lot by aiming small. I think that's a good thing. I agree. And they're incredibly appreciative and yeah. surprised what pops up in conversation too. You're you're right. And the, the 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 best part, whether they mean it or not, right, is when someone says, "You know, I was just thinking about you too," and you're like, yeah. "Damn." There you go. I'm glad I called. All right. Uh, we get the hard questions out of the way first. Uh, Josh, uh, what are we drinking today? What's on the, what do you, what do you have? I got a high noon of those mango. things. Got Mango's me. good. My yeah. personal I'm favorite from the summer is yeah. you, you're classy because you put it in a glass. My personal favorite of the high noon that I, whenever people know too, because it's hard to find in my area, the peach, the peach ah, for me yes. is the winning flavor. Uh, I've got a um, a juice bomb IPA. This is local from down the street here in uh, in the Hudson Valley, New York, from Sloop Brewing. So, cheers to you, Josh Funk. Thanks for coming on the show. Cheers. That's how they do it on social. Right? That's how they do it on social. Uh, thanks to our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the uh, equipment you need to apply it properly in your clinical practice. Find Johnny and the team who will actually be. We'll be doing a live show with them at Sacred Heart University not too long, uh, doing the taking the show back on the road. Find Johnny and his team at OwnsRecoveryScience.com. We're getting to merge those two things back together. Johnny's going to do a BFR course at Sacred Heart, and then I'm going to come in. Like I said, I think it's a Saturday-Sunday course, a two-day BFR course, and I'm doing the podcast on Friday night. So people roll into town. The students are there. We get them all hyped up on whatever. Plus, Johnny can talk BFR. He can go like microbiology to macro. You know, how do you employ that at a facility huge or how do you bring that to any of the major sports whatever um the connection between major sports like you've got someone in your personal life that that had some uh, professional nfl uh, experience in them that's and it was in an interesting time and you were sharing like sort of like i was sort of voyeuristic in the journey like this this was who explain this to the audience yeah so one of my younger brothers uh, i have three younger brothers i have a sister um but he Played his rookie season for the Rams last year, won a Super Bowl ring, and is now in year two in the league. Wow. How how was that watching? Because also it was a unique time because I, or maybe I just started noticing, you were like sharing his senior season at, in, in college, right? And then he was like, and then like sort of leading up to, hey, this kid's going to get drafted. I remember being like, wow, like watch. It's almost like a reality show, but like... Right. So what that what was that like watching someone who's a little brother, right? Who you like, yeah. you know, you probably picked on because that's what I did with my little brother until he got bigger than me. Um, and then he's doing the thing. Yeah, no, it was pretty crazy. I mean, for everybody who kind of can remember back to college football season of 2020, um, you know, in the beginning, we weren't even sure if we were gonna have a right. season. You know, right. the season did not technically start, I think, until October for the Big Ten. And up until that, up until that season, he had been a little bit dinged up, had shown moments uh, where he was excelling, uh, especially from a special team standpoint. He was special teams player of the year on his team sophomore year um, and had honestly just been involved in a stable of running backs. I mean, there were other running backs that had been there that were, you know, sharing reps and three of them had ended up in the NFL. Wow. So, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're in a tough spot and he was finally going to be able to get to get his shot. And then he's sitting here going, ah, oh, this COVID thing, like, 
I'm not going to have a season, the final season of my career where I'm going to get an opportunity. So, uh, you know, but he went out and killed it. Um, I think the average yards per game and average yards per carry were either first and second or second and first, depending on which one you looked at. And then his combine was pretty unbelievable. He, he, he absolutely crushed it. And then he's somebody that always just has been a, uh, has been a leader has done exceptionally well with regards to off the field stuff. And I think when they go in and, you know, they're doing their due diligence about where they're going to take somebody who, to be quite honest, it was going to be more of a later round guy um, that it, it made the uh, decision for the Rams to take him uh, that much easier. Did, did you, uh, did you ask him if you could uh, hold, put the ring on or how's that work? No, no, I haven't, haven't seen it yet, to be quite honest, but no, I'm obviously very happy for him. Um, you know, you, you don't get to write a whole lot of stories Yeah, where, you know, you, you go from a COVID season where you're not even sure you're going to play to the following season, winning a Super Bowl, you know, selling a childhood dream. Crazy. Well, congratulations, him. It was it was cool to, for, to, to watch, especially it was also not watching through his words. It was watching through your words, explaining what it was like for you to watch your little brother like maybe we're going to do this. Hey, we're close. It was like really like, you know, there was trauma, uh, drama and tension. It was like really cool to watch. So uh, congrats to you and the fam for, for, for having that go on. Absolutely. Yeah. You've uh, you've been doing some growth. If everybody, uh, you know, we'll put in the show notes how they can follow you. If you haven't been following along with rehab to perform, what are some of the statistics there? We mentioned just before we hit record that you launched opened four clinics in the last 14 months. Did I get that right? That is correct. Um, we are in eight locations now. Um, we actually just doubled. I, sh- I mean, yes. I, I almost should call that a, uh, I almost should call that an office too, because we just doubled the space of our first office as well. So oh. we have more than doubled our footprint um, that we were headed into July of 2021 with. Wow. We have a team of, 65 people now, um, which is kind of crazy uh, to, to say, to be quite honest. And, you know, we're going to go through a little bit of a period of time where we just kind of stabilize and, right. and, and and work on some things that had, you know, kind of been brought to our attention. Nothing too bad, but obviously you want to, you know, you, you step up to that next, next level. You want to push yourself in a position where things are very, very stable for you to make some more uh, aggressive moves moving forward. So how do you describe um, what rehab to perform is? I looked this up and you, you shared, this is in the official words, but then I want to hear the Josh version, right? A healthcare company that offers a fitness focused approach to physical therapy, sports rehab, concussion care, and an array of wellness services. Um, that is that is how you describe yourself. You're the founder and CEO of rehab to perform. Is what it looks like now even close to what you imagined <clears throat> before you opened your first rehab to perform? Like, could, was this ever even a maybe like it's so it's almost parallel to like your brother going from, Hey, he's playing college ball, which by the way is a big deal in and of itself. The opening a clinic, big deal in and of itself. But did you see this where you are right now before day one of, of, of location one? No, to be quite honest, because my first business was actually a lacrosse services company. And I, I had that going oh. up until 2018 as well. So I kind of had my side hustle. And then I was like, all right, well, I went to PT school. I've always wanted to start my own business in PT. Like I was a division one athlete. I played lacrosse at Ohio State. I had an amazing experience with my my rehab there. And I was like, someday I'm going to create 
a company that is going to provide a division one athletics training room, strength coach, uh, style of environment, you know, something that's like super social. It's a little bit loud. Um, but it's challenging. It, it keeps you connected to the things that you have going on right now, a lot more modification than rest. And I, th- I think I had always in my head at least said, Hey, I'm going to do one office. And then that one office did really, really well. And it got to a point where uh, a little less than three years of opening, you're like, all right, let's do this again. To be a thing. And, you know, things just kind of compound. You have aha moments, you have uh, moments of validation from outside sources, you have moments of validation from inside your, your, your people that you've attracted to your team. Um, and you continually get little like nudges where, you know, people, uh, people or uh, events or awards or whatever, just kind of keep putting you in a situation where you're like, man, mm-hmm. this is really special. And I'm finally starting to realize how special it is. And I think that is why now we've done what we've done over the past 14 months. And ideally, we continue to do, do things like this moving forward. Growth is the word. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, and read a lot of things. And uh, one of them, I think I talked to uh, I talked to you about this show um, when we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago. And it's called uh, How I Built This from NPR, this guy, Guy Raz. And he goes into brands like Peloton. And he talks to the founder and CEO. And everybody's like, oh, I know Peloton. It's like, but yeah, we're going to go back. right? Let's go back to the beginning before it was even an idea. And the funny part is a lot of times and this happens most of the time over and over again, is the founder and CEO, they start with a problem that really affects them. And then they invent a solution or start to invent a solution that they're like, I wish this existed for me when I was essentially their ideal user. So it sounds like that parallel is when you were having your rehab at Ohio State, when you were like, man, this is a really cool experience. I wish I could replicate this because this is what I would want if I could go forth. So it almost feels like you designed it for you and you found a bunch of people who are like, yeah, me too. And then those people just found each other, whether they work with you or for you, or they're the people that you're trying to serve. Well, and I joke with people that I talk to about it now where like I tried to come home after my experience at Ohio State and it was just night and day different. Yeah. I was doing virtual or digital rehab way, way, way back in the summer of, I think that was 2006. Because Wait, you were I like two sessions. What's that? You were doing like telehealth in 2006, like virtual stuff? My, my first visit when I came home for PT during the summer was miserable. My mom said, go back for a second time, give it a second chance. And again, I walked into this very, very sterile, quiet environment with equipment that was nothing like I was having access to at Ohio State with professionals, unfortunately, that were more prepared to be everything to everyone as opposed to what I needed in this particular niche. And I spent most of the time with a person who was younger than me aiding with a sheet that never mirrored what I needed from our summer packet. My summer packet had been provided to me and I needed to be with somebody that was able to kind of like modify things and tweak them according to what I was currently able to do. So after that, I called up my first mentor who now is the assistant athletic director at Ohio State, Janine Oman. She was our PT there. Um, Worked with her, the athletic training staff, the strength and conditioning staff. And I was doing remote rehab all summer 
But fortunately, I, you know, my original injury was a torn labrum, torn rotator cuff, and I never had to get surgery. Never had any more pain after that experience and just fell in love. I, you know, I ended up just coming back and hanging out in the training room for the next two years, just asking a million and one different questions. And yeah, and I was, I was clearly hooked on that environment. Obviously you layer that in with all these other things that you bring into college, love to talk to people, have a general love of fitness. Was always very, very curious uh, about the human body um, and generally liked being around other individuals that were very, very motivated to reach their fullest potential. And healthcare at its root, at least I think, should be self-actualization. So how do we create this environment where self-actualization is occurring? And I felt like I was getting that at college because I was getting people that spoke the language, right. were working with an environment that was not medicalized, that just looked like a gym and largely were trying to put me in a position where I was pushing my potential on a, on a given day. It wasn't, Hey, do this sheet of exercises that you deem to be useless uh, with these pieces of equipment of which don't challenge you and right. aren't able to actually put you in a situation you're prepared for sport. Yeah. But good on you because a lot of people might've just said, well, either I'm just going to go along with this because this is what I was sent to do or the, Hey, this sucks. I'm just not going to do anything. But you did the third option, which was, hey, this this isn't for me. I'm going to keep pushing until I find something that works for me because my goal is to get better. And then you went and you created it. Um, so rehab to perform, who works there? What are the type of people like? Well, you know, if 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 right now this was an interview and you were interviewing someone to come work with you to be, you know, employee 66 or whatever you're at now, which is kind of crazy to think about it. Um, how would you say, or what would you say, um, the DNA of someone who works at rehab to perform needs to have? What are some good qualities? I think a big part, and I, I'll use this word more and more often, um, and, and it goes along with the word uh, autonomy, but we have a lot of entrepreneurial people. We have huh. a lot of people that uh, I think want to take ownership over certain things. They want to be able to have a certain amount of independence with how they're doing things. They want to have uh, what it is that they're doing uh, be part of something greater. Maybe they don't want to put themselves in a situation where they had a tremendous amount of risk. You know, that is your entrepreneur. But the more that I sit here and, and we move forward, the more I'm finding people who naturally are self-starters. They're okay with making progress instead of being perfect. Um, and they don't need their handheld with every aspect of their days. And I think largely when we attract those individuals, the more likely they come in, they have their core values in front of them. They have their operating principles in front of them. They know what the expectations are. Um, and it largely just allows them to, to operate. And I think the more that we find people that um, are those self-starters, they have uh, a lot of, you know, belief in their own personal level of autonomy, the, the more that we're able to keep moving forward. Like this is not, this is not the Josh Funk show. This is the, you know, 60 some people have combined together to create group thought and ideally come to uh, solutions as quickly as possible. And that's the only way that you improve the people, improve the, improve the process, improve the product. Um, and you're putting yourself in a situation where that's, it's a collection of people's best practices. Yeah. Yeah. You take the best of, or the, um, I like how that, that entrepreneur, like not everybody wants to be the person in the CEO's office. Some people are like, Hey, I'm, I'm really cool here being innovative. I, I ran radio stations. 
I didn't mind that job, but you know what I liked even better? I liked being the number two guy because it gave me room. I knew that all the big things were taken care of by my boss. I loved that. And my bosses were, I lucked out. My bosses were always super smart. And it gave me latitude to watch what they were doing and think of the next thing. You know, if you want to go back to the football metaphor, it's real difficult to look downfield for a receiver who's open if you're always worried about getting sacked. And I remember for me, when I took over and I was the guy, I was like the program director of the station, I was always worried about getting sacked, right? Do not get do not get sacked, right? That's just number one. But it's hard to be innovative when you're always panicked. I mean, going back, you said self-actualization. That's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yep. I can't look at the top of the pyramid if I'm always worried about the bottom. That's right. the whole idea. Right. So having a bunch of people who can have insight and input it tends to be pretty valuable. You've always got to be adding people to that, though, and you've got an innovative solution for that. You threw out another statistic on social media a couple, you know, a day or a couple days ago about how many different students you had in placements. Like, about how many is that across your eight locations? Because it sounded a lot. Yeah, we'll have just, I think it's either 25 or 27 in the month of October. We have 127 wow. university contracts across the country. Um, and the best part about that is, I mean, there's many, um, but a big thing that I think that a lot of people are realizing right now is it's tough from a job market standpoint and mm -hmm. the old school job posting and interviews aren't quite cutting it with regards to finding best fit. Correct. And a lot of times you're not even getting candidates because huh. you have relationships that get created. The best part about the internship program is a relationship is created at a much earlier touch point. And you have two entities, that individual and the individuals at our place, along with the company, who get to provide touch points to one another. And then when the time is right, you hopefully have a situation in which both parties know exactly what they're getting into when it comes to uh, a contractual agreement, right? The, the, the agreement to work for and the agree agreement from the company to provide for. Um, and we've been very, very fortunate where I think over 60% at this point in time uh, of our clinicians have gone through the internship program. Wow. And, you know, it, it allows us to continue to operate where we're able to forecast. And I think that's really, really helped us out. As we add locations, we already know who we're going to be hiring because the team has signed off, quote unquote, on people. And those people have expressed interest after their internship with us in potentially joining our team. Yeah. You don't have to bat a you don't have to bat a thousand in this situation, right? If you have someone come in, that person's like, hey, listen, love what you're doing, not for me. That's a win for the organization. We didn't, right. we didn't, they didn't waste their time. We didn't waste ours. No love lost. If if you just if this just ain't your bag, that's okay. This isn't right. for everybody. And I don't think a lot of people, especially people coming out of PT school, and this is no knock on them, but if they haven't been in the job market before, you have to wrap your head around what a cost, what a cost hiring someone who's the wrong fit is on an organization. It just took you, the employee, out of the job market for three, six, nine months, maybe at the wrong location. You got to start all over again. How much you invest if an organization invests. So having that test drive all the time, man, that's got that's that's valuable. And I'm not just saying it feels good. That's a cost savings and a time savings, which we know is our even uh, an even more uh, valuable asset. 
That and also, I mean, it's a culture ad. Uh, they add a different dynamic to the clinic. I remember we went through the pandemic and like the number one thing that clinicians would say would be like, man, we miss the students. They just add a yeah. more fun vibe. You're on your toes more. You're, at, you're answering off the cuff questions more. There's little stuff that just naturally pops up because yeah. they're learning stuff on the fly. Um, and, and there's, uh, you know, learning opportunities that are that are provided. But, you know, you, you really can't put a price tag on what a very, very well-rounded and comprehensive internship program does for your company. Like how you called it a program, right? Like, uh, I'm not going to call anybody out though, but I've heard, heard from other people too. Uh, well, yeah, we have mentorship in an internship uh, organization. You come in and the person you're paired with is sort of looking for their notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, how does this work or what's required? That's not a program. That's someone who got stuck with the short the short stick uh, or the short straw uh, that month, and they've got got to take a student versus a program, which is like this is uh, start with the end in, in mind, right? Stephen Covey says, you know, start with the end in mind. The end in mind is a uh, a, a more uh, close to autonomous uh, practitioner if it's your last rotation, and then go backwards to where that person is and meet them where they are. That's a program. I've experienced and I've heard from others who've experienced being. Paired with, I mean, I've heard about people who show up to work uh, for their first clinical rotation, first day on a clinical rotation, and the CI that they're paired with didn't even know they were getting a student till that morning. What does that say to everybody and to everybody involved? What does that say to everybody? Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, you have such a great opportunity as yes. a, a, a business to provide people who are trying to enter the profession with a certain level of optimism, excitement for what it is that they set out for originally was to probably impact lives and generally enjoy a career in said profession. So for us, I mean, we take it very, very, very serious. And a lot of us have contributed to it over the years. But at this point, like we have a fully developed Kajabi online platform that they get provided to them. It has resources, scheduling, expectations, like a very, very intentional and uh, scheduled out list of things that they will be going through while they spend time with us that they hold on to even after. And in that as well, there's clinical, there's financial. I've put some business references in there as well. But ideally, you, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a holistic experience in addition to, okay, let's create the time at the office while they're with us to make sure that there's one-on-one -on -one blocks, to make sure that they're a part of in-services, to make sure that they're all presenting uh, by the time that they're done with us and as well, potentially providing touch points for them to interact with each other. I mean, we just we, we got an R2P intern house. You know, we have four interns um, that will live with each other um, from all over the country for blocks of time. So that that adds a whole nother dynamic where I mean, our first intern house, we had somebody who's now up at Cressy Performance, another person that's uh, working uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies, another person that's out in Colorado and another guy that didn't even end up getting his PT license, but's crushing it with a fitness company. So like, those are the, like the touch points that then 
happen under this roof of the R2P intern house. So I don't, I don't want to say this because I mean, maybe we should keep the idea internal right now, but this sounds like a reality show. Like what if we started shooting a reality show and like, yeah. listen, there's a branding opportunity. We got a sponsorship. I don't know, man. But if we just threw some cameras around there and did some one-on-one -on -one interviews, cool me, you know, sounds a lot like a reality show, but I mean, we jo we're joking about that, but I mean, that is, that is value, right? If you're watching, um, we, we, we preface this in the first thing we talked about. Watching someone's journey who's doing something either you want to do or you think is interesting is valuable to people. You put thought. It was thoughtful to create a Kajabi online platform with a bunch of information that is updated frequently, which is up to par, which, is, which shows, hey, I, you know, we, we thought about who we were going to pair you with. We thought about what we we're going to have you to do on day one, on day twenty-nine, on day sixty-seven. This was thoughtful. That's what that's what people look forward to. I feel like I belong here, or at least at least I feel like someone wanted me to be here. If that much thought was put into it, yeah, I feel like a priority rather than nice. just priority. Fact. Correct. Some of these places, you're either getting a full schedule day one. Hey, here you go. Here are your patients, or you're the person over here that really does no more than like an aid. You're folding mm -hmm. towels. You almost feel like you're an inconvenience. Right. And for I've us, felt like that before. I've, that? Felt, I've, I've felt like that before. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I mean, the reason why we've gotten to this point is because a collection of people's negative experiences. But we're like, all right, instead of the negative experiences that these environments have allowed, how do we make this as good as possible? Yeah. What would you have done in this situation? Well, I really hated this because it made me feel, and I talk about this all the time, in communications and physical therapy, these things are, I, I find a lot of parallels. If you want to get to the root of something, and that's what we do in terms of problem solving, you describe the clinic you didn't want to go to. And then you describe the feelings that it gave you and why you didn't like those feelings. And then you'd literally, I'm like, and I'll work with someone in an advertising campaign. They'll describe the feelings that they don't want. And then I'll say, great. And then you created the thing that you do want. Great. How do I advertise that? I'm like, show people what that feels like. Show emotion. You touch an emotion, an ad touches an emotion, game over. That you don't, you don't need, you don't need anything big and flashy. Touch the person's emotion, either negative or positive. And this doesn't mean fear monger. This means touch that negative and don't you hate it when? Isn't it frustrated? Don't you know if you wanted to advertise rehab to perform in terms of a of, of an internship or a program to students, just say what you just said. Do do you isn't it? Isn't it unfortunate? It's just sad when you feel like an inconvenience on a clinical rotation. Then pause. You don't feel like that here. You, you don't need a whole lot more to, to sell something to someone is you communicate a feeling. You mentioned that um, during the pandemic, when you weren't allowed to take students, uh, people, met, people were, were vocal in saying how much they lost and, and, and what wasn't included. And, 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 they, and they lost a lot in just students. And I'm using air quotes uh, for the podcast audience because I hate when people call themselves, I'm just a student. or I'm, The bad thing I push back to, especially PTAs, I'm just a PTA. I'm like, well, you're always going to be just a PTA if you keep referring to yourself as just a PTA. So call yourself a PTA with a chest out. But you say you said that, that your rehab to perform really was missing out on some some energy and some insight. How'd you manage growth during the pandemic? I mean, you added, you doubled in the last couple of years. That was during a little bit of a, a situation. Like, talk about how that worked. Yeah, I mean, 2019, right around Memorial Day, we added our third office, and then we actually added our fourth office, New Year's of 2020. So we had two offices that within a year of pandemic ground zero, 
right. have been opened. One within two and a half months. And I was like, tie that into the close of the NBA season. But part of that growth, really, we had no choice um, because we had to either swim or we were going to sink. When I talk about that fourth office that we added, that was the one at the beginning of 2020. That is in a very, very expensive market. For anybody that knows Bethesda, Maryland, right outside of DC, that is not an inexpensive place to do business. And I had never put myself in a situation where I was actually concerned that we would have to close up shop. Mm -hmm. And I ran that by legal team. I explored all of these different ways um, to potentially get around some of the contractual obligations to figure out if this goes on for a certain length of time, what is my absolute fail safe to ensure that I can get out of this with as, as little of a casualty as possible? So I explored the worst of the worst. Wow. My nature is always to think forward, think in solutions and put myself in a situation during that time period where it was like, I have no choice but just pick my feet up every day. And we were incredibly resourceful. I think um, one of the number one things that I can remember doing is spending more actually on marketing for short periods of time, especially in the digital space, because a lot of people were pulling their ad spend out because a lot of people had less money. They were being a little bit more cautious, a little bit more passive, passive with their approaches. They wanted you just kind of sit back. So our ad spend actually went up and we actually ended up with more of our target target demographic coming in with less cost per those uh, ads that were going out. For anybody who's familiar with how you know, the digital advertising uh, metrics are, are, are done. But that was a big thing. You know, we, we got really, really good at you know, doing different things online, whether it was webinars, workshops. I went around to all the area gyms and was doing gym reviews, um, which helped me develop relationships. Anybody who can think of Dave Portnoy's uh, pizza review, I was doing yeah. something similar with regards to, to, to gym reviews. So, you know, you were doing anything during that period of time to grab attention, to be quite honest. And I, I kept thinking about what, where is the attention right now? And the attention was in the online world. So, for anybody who's involved in the marketing uh, for your respective company or organization, you know, you probably hear the word ecosystem a lot. So our ecosystem looked a lot different because we're unable to do in-person workshops, unable to go to events, unable to go do demos, unable to go to networking things like the in-person side of things had been completely removed. So we almost had to, to reinvent ourselves. Um, and it ended up leading us to continue to grow. And we were actually we were profitable in both years. Thank goodness. Um, you know, it, it helps when you have two other offices that are doing really, really well to buffer some of your losses at some of your newer offices. Yeah. But regardless, you know, we kept growing. And I think it goes back to a lot of what we were talking about earlier, where you're hiring an R2P person. We had a lot of people operate on offense. That was a year of where we need to be on offense at all times. Do not have the opportunity to sit back on our heels, be defensive, wait, and put ourselves in a situation where we are not actively making things happening. We're either making things happen from a policy and procedure standpoint as it relates to COVID. We're either forecasting for future problems that we think might happen. We're operating 
uh, on offense with regards to some of our marketing approaches and changing things. But that was a year where offense for us meant rapid change and making sure that we were staying ahead of things. And it put us in a situation where our first time being on the Inc. 5000 um, was in early part of, of 2020. Second time was the early part of 2021. And then we recently were just named it for the third straight year. Offense. Yes, offense at all times. And I did steal that from Phil Knight at Nike. That was one of their main operating principles early on. I'm, uh, I'm going to bring up something on the screen. So if you're watching the uh, the live stream or the video, you can you can see what we have on the screen here. And I made this T-shirt after a, a little bit of, a, of, an, of an, uh, an altercation at work. And the shirt reads, Innovators Play Offense. And Absolutely. this came up after I was told, I was doing something, I won't, I won't call them out. I think I called them out in an episode. I grabbed a microphone at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was so mad. And often you have people who are organizers and people who are innovators. You have creators and organizers, right? And a lot of times we structure businesses and you have to have organizers. These are people who dot the I's and cross the T's. They make sure a lot of things, they make sure Jimmy McKay doesn't run out the door and forget uh, to have insurance on his car. Organizers are important. Here's the thing. They can't be in charge of everything all of the time or else you never innovate because the organizer will say there's no procedure for that. Meanwhile, the innovator or the creator is saying, let me jump and we'll create the process while I'm in the air before I hit the ground. So I sold a bunch of these innovators play offense t-shirts because I work in an innovation lab. My day job is at uh, work at Mount Sinai Hospital in the uh, Abilities Research Center. And the guy who runs the lab, his job title is Director of Rehabilitation Innovation. And sometimes, oh, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, a lot of times we'll run into, well, you can't do that because it doesn't exist. And we'll say, I don't know if you read my job title. I am an innovator. I am inventing this. So you have to work with me. It's like that bridge layer. Like if we're creating the bridge, you can't say nothing goes there. It's like, I know we're going there. We are going there right now. I'm putting the next tile in the bridge. And by the time I'm done, we'll be there. Then you can write the policy. But how do you make sure that, how do you make sure that innovators still have at least an equal voice, if not a louder voice in your organization? How do you make sure that they don't get bogged down by the organizers? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing that I actually was going to when I think about the innovators is not putting people in a situation where they would then get reprimanded for a potential misstep. Good. And I think that's a great answer. first reinforcing when something doesn't quite go the way that you wanted to, ensuring that you start a conversation more along the lines of, I appreciate that you took the initiative. Right. And if I start things with that oftentimes, and I'm involving myself more in the, okay, the dartboard that you thought ended up over there, but actually it's this way, right. but at least you're throwing darts. Like if you're you're throwing darts, like forget it, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think the, the, the way that we handle some of the missteps or the missing of the mark, so to speak, matters a whole lot more. And you do, you're naturally going to have some people that, you know, they're your integrator. If we talk about rocket fuel from Gino Wickman, right? Like you need the integrator for the visionary. Your innovators are the visionary people in the company. Um, and at the end of the day, if people understand their roles a little bit more, like our operations people are always going to be more organizationally minded, but the more that they're pairing up and making sure that there's blocks of time between both of them and they both appreciate their respective roles and how they naturally operate, 
I think you're more likely to end up end up making sure that the darts you're trying to throw are ending up where they need to be. Yeah, I lucked out being in, in, in media. We had to invent a lot of stuff all the time. You're constantly innovating and inventing. And if something didn't work, we didn't just berate somebody. Oh, that thing tanked. Yeah. Um, the, the first question, and this happens in sports a lot too, where was your head at? What were you thinking there? You threw that pass. What were you thinking? I, was, I thought you were going to cut. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. You saw me step and you thought cut. I was never thinking that, but I could see why you were thinking that. I, from your point of view, that made sense, though. So it wasn't a bad pass. Uh, we just didn't understand each other at that moment. And that's okay. Hey, next time, I know you're thinking that. I mean, I was watching, uh, remember Ivan Rodriguez, Pudge Rodriguez, the catcher for the Rangers? I mean, reinvented a position. How? I mean, I don't know statistically. We'll go to like whatever stat organization. But how many times did before Pudge Rodriguez, did a catcher throw to first base behind the hitter like that never happened like no one was doing that he was picking dudes off from the catcher position but you know he had to have a conversation with whoever was playing first like Rafael Palmeiro be like hey dude I got a I got a cannon if someone falls asleep at first base I'm gonna throw him out but if if Ivan Rodriguez was just like I'm gonna throw down but he never told the first baseman and he throws it in the right field they're all gonna be like you're an idiot he wasn't an idiot, but he had to make sure that they understood, hey, dude, my head is on a swivel, and I might just gun someone down because I'm thinking about it. But you had to have that, you have to have that type of culture in place, or that guy's never gonna, you know, Ivan Rodriguez might have been like, well, then I, just, I catchers don't throw down, so I'm never gonna do that. And I don't know how many people he picked off doing that, but it was a lot because it was a highlight reel of him doing that. It was sick. Yeah, no, and it just makes me think of like another operating principle outside of offense at all times is like. Progress is greater than perfection. And, you know, your, your organizers are always going to have a natural affinity to be perfect. But again, as long as they're working together and there's regular lines of open communication, yeah. I think you're always going to, or at least almost always going to end up in a situation where, okay, you have one person that wants to get to a hundred um, as, as quickly as possible. The yeah. other person wants to make sure that all oh, there's a million things just to safeguard us just to get to 10%. And then there ends up being some kind of a blend of the two, but ideally erring on the side of that person that wants to get yeah. to, uh, you know, 80, 90 later stages of something being driven to completion. Do you know uh, Seth Godin? Do you know that guy? He's a writer, yeah. business. So he has this thing called uh, Ship It. And if you if you just Google Seth Godin, the Ship It journal, he's got this whole thing because what, what you're talking about there freezes a lot of ideas before they ever even touch another human. Because someone wants to make it perfect before they ship it. And he's like, ship it anyway. He's like, get really close. He's not saying like ship 10% done, but he's like, if you don't ship it, you'll never, it'll never suck enough for someone to give you feedback. Right. For then you to improve. So that was the fun part, or I think part of my my upbringing in radio is like, you're on the air in 30 minutes. And uh the great quote, I think this was Churchill or somebody, I don't know, one of those dudes who had a lot of quotes. It's like, you don't go to war with what you need. You go to war with what you have. And a boss used to tell me, he's like, you don't go on the air with what you need. I'm like, I need these three clips. He goes, you got one. So that's what you're going on the air with because it's in 30 minutes. You don't have 32 minutes, so you can't get it. So it was that sort of mindset, which is ship it with what you got, fudge the rest. And it doesn't mean you're not trying to improve. It means like, I, I go on the air in 30 minutes. I got, I don't have it. So I, what I do have is what I'm going with. And I think a lot of times we get caught. I think social media is to blame. I did an Oxford debate a couple of years ago at APTA's Next. And the, the, the prompt was, is social media hazardous to the profession of physical therapy? And I was just assigned the pro position, meaning I had to say it was. 
And I was like, here's one of my biggest arguments. All you see is the highlight reel. Dude, if you watch someone who has 50,000 Instagram followers, it's real tempting to, to just wait and wait and wait and never post until you're perfect and good enough and on par with that person who's 50,000. Do you know how that person got to 50,000? Their first 2,500 posts sucked. And then the next 2,500 sucked less. And that perfection, like, so hearing you say that, progress trumps perfect every time it has to or that's the only that's the only way i know i'm a mortal that's the only way i know how to do it it just makes me think of the uh catchphrase i hear sometimes send it right mm -hmm. send it full send full send freaking send it right mm -hmm. you know sometimes you got you got to think less um and sometimes those those posts that aren't perfectly orchestrated or that project that uh wasn't quite where it needed to be Get it lit, lit the spark in another individual on your team, right? Yeah. Hey, they saw it at 65. Now they've taken it to 80, and now another person comes in, and it's just the right moment. And because we're making progress, it's somebody seven. else is pulling it to the next stage. But if never we're just waiting for it to be perfect, we never get out of the blocks. You're never gonna. So good. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes too. It's called the Ship It Journal, and I keep the PDF on my desktop. I keep very. I, I have a thing about a lot of things on my desktop. I don't like a lot of files on my desktop on my computer, but that's one of them. And whenever I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know. This has to be perfect. I look at Seth Godin's words, and it's almost like Mad Libs. He like walks you through because he's like, I'm in your mind. I understand. You want perfect. I got bad news for you, son. It's never coming. So ship it ship it and then figure it out in rewrites. And then, you know, what? and that was the other cool thing about radio is like, dude, Monday sucked. It's like, well, Tuesdays, here's Tuesday, like suck less. And then hopefully by Friday, you're, you know, you, you don't mind listening to yourself. Um, if someone wanted to, uh, to reach out, if they want a spot, if they're like, Hey, I need to be in the rehab to perform uh, internship house. Where do you send them? At Rehab to Perform on TikTok now, as well yeah. as Instagram. And I finally caved. Um, we've got, actually been spending a little bit more time on YouTube as well. But for anybody who is directly interested in the internship program, internship at rehabtoperform.com, Dr. Jamie Schindler does such a good job with outreach and the coordination of the internship experience, making sure you're set up with one of our PTs who, as we talked about, is very, very excited to have you. Knows you're um, coming. As a part, yep. Knows you're coming Knows you're well coming. in advance. We have a whole calendar. That individual can look at their intern calendar schedule, know what school you're from, um, as well as having uh, you know, your resume on file, knowing how your interview went. So they have a better idea uh, of what they might need to do to, to make the most of your experience. Um, and then other than that, for anybody who wants to reach out to me directly at Dr. Josh Funk, um, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, I've been spending more time on as well, but really just about anywhere and everywhere. All right, cool. All right, you ready to do three questions? we got a tradition on the show. We're going to do three questions. You ready? Yep, let's do it. Let's Three questions on the show. Three questions brought to you by our friends from physical therapy and balance centers. Uh, thinking about opening a practice or selling yours, you should know this. On average, a private practice that joins their network grows more than 40%. Check them out online. We just did an episode about dizziness and balance with uh, Brian Warner. Physicalfranchise.com. It's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. First question for you. We, we personalized this uh, for Josh Funk on the show. Who is someone the audience should uh, should know more about who has similar mindset of rehab to perform? Who's someone they can be in the world of physical therapy or not? Does not matter. 
Man, I'm going to have to go with somebody inside R2P that okay. a lot of people don't know about because he's not necessarily Mr. Social Media, but Dr. Mm -hmm. Zach Baker. He runs the educational side of the company. We just had an accredited sports residency. We'll have an orthopedic uh, residency moving forward at some point. He's also our chief clinical officer, spends all of his Tuesdays with our clinical staff, co-treating, meeting with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I think he's one of those people that, uh, you know, obviously I'm biased, but he has such a special gift for teaching and the educational side of things. And I think he's also just such a special person, um, but he's not, you know, always the most uh, active and engaged person on social media. He doesn't have a Twitter. He's not on TikTok. But if you're on Instagram, I guarantee he'll get to back to you within 24 hours. And he's pretty old school. Kind of like you mentioned earlier, he'd love to just jump on the phone and have a conversation. Yeah, it's a way to do it. Second question of three questions. You're going to give a gift to uh, to one of the students who's graduating. It's going to be a, a book or you're going to give them a movie, something. You're going to give them a, something to, to read or watch or listen to, a book, movie, podcast. What would you give someone as they're, as they're leaving rehab to perform and either coming back as a clinician or they're going to go out into the world and they're going to you know take on the world? What's something that that you hold near and dear that you would actually give as a gift. You like it that much. You would gift it. Man, it's tough. I'm torn between conscious capitalism okay. and the, and the patient will see you now. And I think the patient will see you now directly ties to uh, different pain points in our current healthcare system. Conscious capitalism provides a different way of viewing the business uh, in the community, the modern day business in the community. I think uh, too often the word capitalism has such negative connotations associated with it. But really, uh, a lot of times people have associations with the end of the spectrum that capitalism lies on that is solely bottom line focused. And when right. you have a better appreciation for what conscious capitalism actually is um, and how you know all stakeholders are the priority that there is an ecosystem uh, that needs to be shared among the individuals uh, that you're going to be in a situation where you have the best balance between business, service, finances. Um, but I think those two books in itself would give somebody a very, very good foundation for ways to operate both individually and potentially uh, within uh, you know, the ecosystem of their community or business in their professional career. Third question, three question. Why should someone care about being thoughtful about creating their own internship experience, patient customer experience? Why is thoughtfulness? Why should they care about being thoughtful? I think this will be my entrepreneur hat or my business owner hat on while I say this, but I think that when you went into business, you went into business because you looked at hopefully the potential that could be created as a result of your ideas. You looked at something, there was a pain point present, there was a way of doing things differently. And I think that it would be short-sighted to potentially only look at things when it comes to the business world um, in a, a silo. All of these different things kind of feed one another, your service that you are providing, your training to your staff, the way that your brand is communicated out, the kind of experience you're providing for patients, high school interns, college interns, DPT interns, 
the level of connectivity that you having with community partners, you know, you, you live in an ecosystem. And if you're choosing to neglect a certain area of your ecosystem, then it's also very, very hard for you not to look at your level of success and attribute it to the fact that you were in control of a touch point in your ecosystem and you chose to do nothing about it. Yeah. When I talk to people now and the hiring thing I know is a huge pain point for a lot of people, you know, I, I do a little bit of business consulting and I'm working with people right now on literally just setting up an internship. Like you have no touch points. You're not involved on social media and you don't have an internship program. How the heck is anybody going to know? Where's the on-ramp? Or anything. Right. Like, why would they reach out to you? They, oh, your job posting that looks like just like everybody else's job posting. So I think sitting back um, and recognizing that, you know, your, your primary focus initially. Great. I'm sure you probably owned that. You probably done a really, really good job. But what else is going to affect your ability to continue to move forward, to continue to self-actualize your business and self-actualize for the people that are involved in your business? Last thing we do on the show is called The Parting Shot. Parting Shot brought to you by the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them all at orthopt.org. Their, uh, their gold standard course current concepts of ortho uh, orthopedic physical therapy is in their fifth edition right now and you can grab it online at orthopt.org uh crossfit athletes treating the female athlete through the lifespan available uh now they've got a, a great course on management of headaches and, and uh, migraine uh all available at orthopt.org so check them out last thing parting shot josh last thing you want to leave with the audience your mic drop moment what do you got for them biggest thing uh you know kind of is a little bit cliche, but you're only going to be as good or as impactful as your network. You can be exceptionally good at whatever it is that you do, but without a, you know, an effort towards connecting with other individuals, and it doesn't have to be just professional. In fact, I think it's almost more important to connect yourself to the community and ideally not just online, but in person you're, you're going to be incredibly more impactful. You're going to be useful to other people because you've positioned yourself such that you're providing your thought leadership. You're adding value beyond just the services that yeah. it is that you provide. Um, and you're what healthcare needs to be. Healthcare has largely been uh, solely reactive. Come find me when you need me. But I think the more that we're extending beyond our comfort zones, we're getting involved with the world around us, the more likely that we're going to contribute to some things that have a much greater uh, impact besides just providing a reactive service. Yeah. Your network is your net worth. I heard someone go. smart say as well. Josh Funk, uh, appreciate you taking time out. I, I have a feeling this won't be the last time we have you on the show. Looking forward to CSM. I believe you're going to be out there as well. We're trying to throw a party at some point at the, the, the San Diego. Absolutely. And speaking of reality TV show, we're probably yes. going to have an R2P and B uh, with a pretty sizable home of R2P characters. So, um, you know, maybe there's a potential live podcast in place for that. I don't know. I mean, the OnlyFans. I'm just saying, might, maybe it's an OnlyFans. <laughs> who knows? Who knows how this works out? I'm going to Google that. Oh, and see what They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Uh, Josh Funk, thanks so much for coming to ours. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Love what you're doing. 
Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. 